Hey all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back to Spooky Time. You're going to die out there. I'm Jen, here with my good friend Megan. Hello. We do have one Patreon to shout out at the end of this episode. We do. That's exciting. Very exciting. I have one quick announcement, Jen. Oh, okay. And it is that that aged well, I think they might listen to our podcast. Because you showed me and I looked and then I lost my brain today that they tweeted at us about how dragonflies should have a different group name than swarm and i was like that means they listen to our episode <laughs> and i 100 percent agree with them and then i had swarm a, was a disappointing it, it was very disappointing dragonflies are too cool they're too cool what did they say iridescence maybe yeah they said that Eps. genius agreed. genius yeah so i wanted to mention that yes. our friend claire nelson yes from the book things i learned from falling you did a patreon episode on her yeah now we're friends we're like best friends she sent us a copy <laughs> of her book you guys it was awesome she was gonna be a th- uh, do a through hike yeah on the ta and i was like are you doing the appalachian trail Right. And I was like, what's happening? But that's AT and this is TA. So actually she's doing a trail in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So she's going back home to do the, I'm not going to say this right, but I'm going to do my best. Yeah. The Te Arora. (laughs) Arora. Anyway, it's a trail in New Zealand. And she says it's 3,000 kilometers along the length of the country's two main islands from Cape Ranga to Bluff. She said it takes about five months. So she's still able to connect. So we're able to follow her. So if you are not following her already, you should go to find her, Claire Nelson, or she's her Instagram is Lady E. Claire, which yeah. is cute. So follow her journey. It's awesome. I did see recently that she had to stop the beginning of her. She's going to go like, I think to the middle or something, because mm-hmm. the first leg of her trail, they are on like complete lockdown for COVID. And so she's having to like kind of skip a part and then go to another part. Oh, but, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. But it looks like she's having a good time. There was one one night where she would like camped out with a bunch of wild horses. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So make sure you guys are following her and keeping up with her journey because it's pretty cool. And, you know, especially all of those for all of us from the U.S., we really dream of hiking through New Zealand or just visiting sure. New Zealand in general. So we're living vicariously. We are. I guess we can jump into some science news, Megan. Let's do it. I've been hanging on to the science news for a little while because I, the last time I was going to do a science news, I I did the gorillas and the chimpanzees because a listener has sent that. Yes. So that was on the last episode. So I've been saving this one. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife declared 23 bird, fish, and other species extinct. I didn't want to drag us all the way down, but it's especially important to us here on Guam and even in Hawaii because mm-hmm. a lot of the species are endemic to Hawaii and the Pacific Islands. So mm-hmm. nine species from Hawaii, most of them birds, mm-hmm. and two from Guam. One is the little Mariana fruit bat. 
Aww. also known as the Guam Flying Fox. We have a right. other fruit bat. This is the little Mariana fruit bat, but we have a Mariana fruit bat. So, right. And it's still around, but Yay. we lost that little guy. Mostly due to brown tree snakes. We've BTS. talked about that. So as far as Guam, there's also the brittled white-eye bird, which the last confirmed sighting was in 1983. So a lot of oh. these haven't been seen since the 80s or 90s, some since before that. Most of the ones in Hawaii, like I said, are birds. There's also a bunch of mussels. I was going to ask, are there any um, snails in Hawaii that also went extinct? Because I know that there are a bunch of like very small tree snails that are in the higher mountain elevations in Hawaii. I used to work with a woman who worked with those snails and she was saying they're really difficult to find now. Eight birds and one plant in Hawaii, so no snails. But I think they are listed as endangered. Yeah, I know they're listed. The rest are all mussels. Five different huh. mussels from some of the southern states like Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee. The other one that's most notable is this woodpecker. I think that's the one you may have seen on the front. It's the ivory-billed woodpecker. It was once the U.S.'s largest woodpecker species. The last commonly agreed sighting was in 1944. Oh, no. In Louisiana. Why has it taken them so long to list them like as extinct now if they haven't seen them for Jesus like that's well, so older they st- than my mom and then it was officially listed as endangered in 1967 so then you know when the when the Endangered Species Act came into play in the late 60s early 70s yeah this was before it was but maybe yeah. it was listed as endangered as in the state or in some states but interesting it says another bird declared extinct is the Bachman's warbler mm. it was one of the rarest songbirds in North America and it was listed in 1967 it's a matter of getting enough data or, right you know or confirming possible sightings. Right, right. And probably scientists will disagree Mm because, you know, they get these boards together of these species um, subject matter experts on the species. And then they'll sit around and they probably argue because that's what people do who are experts in species. It's true. They don't get along (laughs) and they think they're right and everybody else is wrong. Always. Sorry. It's just academia (laughs) right there. Yeah. Always all the drama. That's the tea. Typically. Some do. That's yeah. why we're not in that field, I think. Sad news, but they could become a Lazarus species. Ooh. <laughs> Just throwing that in there. Talking if somebody were to find one, yeah, possibly, then, you know, they could come back. So you never know. That's happened with a number of species that have been declared extinct. Let's just keep our hopes alive there. So I'll keep my fingers crossed. Thank you. Permanently. And let's turn around that climate change, everyone. Let's do it. Let's just do that right now so that we can, you know, keep any more from going extinct. Yeah, we need to uh, convince those, you know, giant corporations to like get it together already. Because we're over here doing our small steps Zero waste. We can only do so much. We got to get some freaking corporations to do some shit. Yeah. Get it together. Done. Soapbox for the day. Soapbox (laughs) over. Back to spooky time. Let's resurrect some stuff. Actually, speaking of resurrection. It's almost like Pet Cemetery. Oh, oh, that's. That's a really good lead in. Oh, um, let's bring these back in the most spookiest way. Not specifically resurrected pets. Okay. But I am today going to talk about familiars. Which I know this because you made me take a test. We're going to talk about that about halfway through. So Okay. Because mm. I don't know how much. I, I can't wait to hear what yours. Oh, we haven't told each other yet. Yeah, we haven't what told our each other. What are results? It's, it's going to be a live reveal today. It's on a reveal. You're going to die out there. <laughs> 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 
I know that you think yours is really funny because you were like, oh my God. And you started laughing about it. And I was like, don't tell me. Let's do it on the podcast. I started out this research for this episode looking for a book on familiars and like all the different varieties and forms of familiars. And I fell down this rabbit hole when I found a book written by a woman who goes by the White Witch of Los Angeles. Of Los Angeles? Of Los Angeles. <laughs> that is amazing. Her name is Maja Doust. I think mm-hmm, I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. I heard it pronounced and now I can't remember. Don't say it three times. She might show up. <laughs> yes. I don't want a white witch to show up. She calls herself a witch because it means, quote, one who knows. And she has always been searching for knowledge. I don't know. I found her book was kind of like, I started listening to it. It's about five hours long. I listened to about two and a half hours. And then I was like, wow, this episode will be so freaking long if I continue down this path. So I I had to kind of stop. Mm-hmm. Then I watched a bunch of her YouTube videos. And I can't decide how I feel about her. So we're gonna... Are you like fangirling a little bit? Like, uh, are you into her? Weirdly. Okay. Weirdly fangirling a little bit. Like she's kind of cool. She actually has a background in biochemistry. So she's kind of a science nerd. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I can get behind that for sure. And I read this Vice article that where they interviewed her, talked to her, and they say that she's kind of a mix between Dana Scully and Fox Mulder from the X-Files. Like kind of, you know, Fox Mulder's like super into all the mystical, random, magical mm-hmm. alien. And then Dana Scully is very grounded in yeah. science. And yes. that's kind of how she is. She's like a dichotomy in one person. Well, I love X-Files. She gives a lot of talks. She's written a lot of books about the occult, which is science, magic, alchemy, And she actually also performs as the Oracle. And I watched a couple of these. And this is where it's hard for me, right? This is okay. These are the kind of things that I think I need to see it to have an opinion. It's very down to earth. Um, So she essentially sits in a room, Mm -hmm. sometimes on like this like special throne, sometimes just on like a bar stool. And she special throne. uh, Yes. It's usually before like a concert or some kind of performance or something. And she basically just lets people ask her questions. And she talks about it in another video where she's like, people will ask the same, typically, she'll get asked the same questions over and over again. Like sometimes there'll be like jerks in the audience who are like, add 3,579 to blah, 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 you know, like some Mm -hmm. stupid math question. Mm -hmm. And she's like, all right, that's it, whatever. And sometimes people will like ask for her phone number or whatever. But a lot of people ask questions like, what is the meaning of life? Why do we fall in love? What is time? And she really, it seems that the purpose of the performances are are actually to get people to think. And in some ways, and I kind of picked this up from listening to her book as well, it's about having people look inside themselves for answers that they probably already know. It's kind of interesting. I watched a couple of her question sessions. And, you know, she talks about like, like how time is is not like this linear thing that it's it's more of like a circular, everything is happening at the same time, parallel universes and that kind of stuff. Like, a little bit mystical, a little bit physics, a little bit, I don't know. It was so, but different. people aren't asking her for like to tell the future or they can. Or do you see my, you know, can you see my dead relative or she does those things okay she does do like prophecy type stuff she does read tarot she has a website which i'll talk about later but you can purchase time with her to like for her and she's to in prophesy. los angeles and she's in los it angeles seems very hollywood very hollywood yeah saying. yeah so there's like some things where i'm like eh. right <laughs> 
Yeah. The 800 number where you can call and speak to a psychic. Right. But I don't think what she does is necessarily psychic work. It's more like prophesizing, listening to questions and then having people examine themselves. Okay. It's interesting. I don't know. That sounds more like therapy. It really, honestly, that's what it made me think of more mm-hmm. than anything else. When I was listening to her book, I was like, this sounds very therapy-like. Well, yeah, because that's what your therapist does, right? Yeah. They just... Open a conversation. They open you. a conversation and then you talk through it mm-hmm. and then you come to your own conclusions. Right. Anyway, Maja grew up on Vashon Island off the coast of Washington State. Yeah, she's, I know that place. I was going to ask. I was yeah. like, Jen probably knows where this is. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a degree in biochemistry from Evergreen State College in Olympia. Mm-hmm. And while she was there, she worked in the library. She also fun fact took a linguistics class with carrie brownstein of slater kenny and later portlandia <gasps> i know she's like a self-proclaimed riot girl i think she's actually been on portlandia i swear to god I, i've seen her oh, maybe i'm thinking of someone else but now i feel like i need to watch them again oh there's i feel like we should have a marathon <laughs> let's do it from the vice article she says quote i was in olympia when the whole k records kill rock star scene was popping off that stuff definitely encouraged me because the riot girls were off the hook kathleen Hanna was living in olympia at the time so i got to take part in that environment of empowerment for women it had a very positive effect on me. Okay. So that's where she's coming from. Uh, one of her more famous books, she co-wrote with this guy, Adam Parfrey, and it's called The Secret Source, The Law of Attraction and Its Hermetic Influence Throughout the Ages. And she wrote this book in response to the self-help book, The Secret, which I really do not like that book, The Secret. Wait. The Secret. God, it's like ringing the, a bell. Yeah, The Secret is that it, they also made a movie about it. Basically, the idea of The Secret is that you manifest your desires oh, by thinking I of totally, them. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so she wrote this kind of like antithesis to this book because what she says is, quote, that movie, the book is propaganda. It took esoteric occult material and turned it into what's known as spiritual materialism, where you l- utilize universal concepts for personal gain. So I wrote my book for people who'd seen the movie but had no idea about the real history behind it the book is meant as an antidote to the secret the whole idea of that i do believe that what you put out to the universe sure you'll get back yeah yeah but usually it's like positive energy or Mm -hmm. if you want to have a family you put it out because you make a space for that you make a space Mm -hmm. for it because when you really want something and you really put it out there make a space for it i guess I, i feel like you got that language from her (laughs) <laughs> then you yeah it'll happen because it's, it's it's i got i got that language from my therapist <laughs> did you really yeah that's amazing and actually i'll talk about it as we go through this but this book kind of spoke to me in a weird way like a real kind of like way that's cool yeah kind of cool but also weird for me anyway so in 2000 the year 2000 she moved to los angeles and she started working at the philosophical research society she worked in the library there and it's a super special collection of rare books on philosophy history and religion and they they also have this mayan codex written on deerskin it's like this ancient text. Um, And the library doesn't allow visitors to sign books out. Everything has to be viewed on the premises. So she was working in there. And then she also gave weekly lectures on magic, shamanism, alchemy. And she called these series, her weekly series lectures, magic school, quote unquote. 
She really seems to like to talk about alchemists a lot. And I think the reason she's interested in alchemy so much is because her background is in biochemistry and alchemy is basically like a grandfather to biochemistry or chemistry. She cites that some of the scientists, this is a quote, some of the scientists who made the most profound changes in terms of humanity, Isaac Newton, Nikola Tesla, Niels Bohr, were looking at alchemy material. I mean, Newton made an astrological chart for every day and he was the person who figured out laws of the universe. Pretty good, right? That's cool. That's her thing. It's her thing. After 11 years at PRS, she actually left. Apparently, the people, the administration there didn't like that she called herself a witch. And I I don't know if they like put pressure on her or whatever, but she ended up leaving. And then in 2019, she wrote the book Familiars in Witchcraft, Supernatural Guardians in the Magical Traditions of the World. And that is the book that I'm listening to. Okay. Yeah, that's when it was published, 2019. So she starts off by talking about the idea of a soulmate and that people have been on this search for a soulmate throughout all of history. Mm -hmm. And some people consider soulmates to be sexual partners. And some people consider soulmates to be just like another human friend. But the idea of a soulmate is actually our need to find something other than a mundane everyday relationship, like something that will spark like a connection beyond talking at the water cooler. Like your muse. Like your muse. Yeah. Or your your daemon. Yeah. Or your daemon. Exactly. Exactly. So the idea of familiars actually starts with this search for something outside of ourselves. We're looking for something to help assist us or guide us or mentor us in our life. Does that mean a soulmate has to be a human? Of course not. If we consider spirits of the dead in old times were considered, quote, familiar spirits or familial spirits Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily constricted to a human form because they've passed on then it might actually be possible to think of these familiar or familial spirits as coming to us in many possible forms so they could be animals or plants or some kind of inanimate object so wait this is kind of like your relatives your ancestors spirits Mm -hmm. a lot of people look at as guardian angels yeah they're kind of looking after you and like trying to help you along so sure it's similar okay yeah very similar tesla was actually said to have a pigeon who he considered his soulmate and would converse with daily i i read that i didn't he try to marry the pigeon (laughs) i think there was a thing that Yeah, yeah 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 um druids also felt that way about trees and animals Another kind of famous familiar, if you will, uh, is Siddhartha Gautama, who became known as the Buddha. He gained enlightenment under the Bodhi tree, and that Bodhi tree is considered by a lot of people to be his soulmate. Oh, I'd have a hard time connecting to a tree as a soulmate, but you never know. You never know. The overarching theme, kind of bonding a familiar in whatever form it comes to you in, like an animal tree, whatever, is that through the relation with a familiar, we're expanding beyond our own ego and tapping into the world outside of humanity. Deep. So deep. So the word familiar comes from the Latin familis, which refers to a female servant who is bound by duty in kind of a devotional servitude. Um, And you'll kind of see like there's a female theme throughout all of this, like the womb and being able to like take energy into you and connect with people and all of this stuff. It's like because we rule the world. I can't say it. Rule the world. Yeah. Says Beyonce. (laughs) There's a kind of structure to this idea of devotional servitude um, that the familiar would be considered as a kind of servant to the person that they commune with. Mm -hmm. And Maja talks about how this relates to the idea of humans having dominion over animals. But I think that in this, this is my interpretation of 
of her book in here is that the familiars aren't necessarily like servile. They're not servants necessarily. Mm -hmm. You have to have trust with them and they have to trust you. And uh, she talks about how in order to open yourself to receiving a familiar, you have to practice extreme self-control. So some people achieve like the connection with a familiar by doing things like fasting or sleep deprivation or like vision quests. Like mm-hmm. you push yourself to these limits and you control the things that you do in order to connect with the world beyond humans into the spiritual world. Okay. So you're getting to another plane. Let me just say that like initial things that I read about familiars were very much like, oh, witches give other witches cats. And that's a familiar, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I found this book and I was like, oh, this makes way more sense to me than it's just like a bunch of witches, which we'll find out is, you know, just villainizing women and cat ladies. Anyway. Yeah, that's when you had this outbreak of frogs in your yard. Oh, God. Because of your drain pipe or whatever. You're like, and all these frogs are going to come out in my yard and everybody's going to think I'm a witch on the street because all these frogs and you have all these cats. It's true. So many. Yeah, so many of these like, yeah, giant, those giant toads that are here because I have a drain pipe that runs along the surface of the ground and they can kind of go up in there and hang out during the day and it was it was like nine of them in my yard at night and I was like good god (laughs) that's amazing all of this is kind of reminding me of that series the dark materials by Philip Pullman the golden compass the subtle knife and the amber spyglass But when I was out on the islands, a former Peace Corps volunteer that sent this trilogy of books. Mm -hmm. And so I read the three of those and it talks about that's the whole thing. And I know they've made movies and Mm -hmm. there's a series and all that since then. But this was like early 2000s. I read these because I love the idea of like that you have this animal Mm -hmm. and before you reach puberty it changes constantly because you're changing constantly you're changing constantly and it settles once you hit puberty Mm -hmm. that whole concept to me was really cool I I did read an article where Jenna Malone interviews Maja and they talk about how like when we're children we're really malleable like we can get in touch with all of these 12 personalities that exist on the zodiac because you're kind of like open to those things you haven't Uh set your way yet which is like very much like that yeah I love this kind of stuff, but I also have a really hard time with it. I think I can't accept that I love it. I do. I accept that I love it. (laughs) And I know you love it. You just don't accept it. I do love it. I wish that it was really like that in real life. Backing up to the self-control part. So when you practice that self-control, it opens a door to finding familiars who are also open to being domesticated and kind of controlled in a certain way. Because Maja says that it's really important that you are able to practice self-control to keep a familiar working with you. And if a person doesn't practice good self-control and mindfulness, then they're going to lose trust and obedience of the familiar that's helping them. Just like you have to imagine it as if you had a dog, you bring home a dog and you don't treat that dog in a way that lets them trust you. Uh-huh. And then they go kind of feral. Uh-huh. And then there's this this opportunity to be in a very bad situation. So that's kind of what she compares it okay. to. Self-control and self-awareness is really important in all of this. Okay. Yeah. And being able to like attract a familiar to you and then stay with you. That makes sense. So there is a stigma that comes from the development of Christianity that changes the idea of what a familiar is from a variety of possibilities like an ancestors, gods, gods, goddesses and Christianity kind of morphed it into something that's very evil. 
and familiars are only little demons or like uh, workers of the devil. They're just yeah. out there to do evil things, which is uh-huh. not the case historically at all. Yes. The way that most, you know, religions thought of familiars or things that were like familiars. But familiars can be enticed with food offerings. That's usually like a big way to entice familiars to come into your life. And some things that you could offer are like foods that your ancestors might have liked when they were in human form. Kind of sounds like the Japanese folklore that yes. I was talking about. You put out their favorite food or yes. even even like when we were in Bali, when they do mm-hmm. funeral things mm-hmm. or if you talk about Day of the Dead. They light the incense, put water in case mm-hmm. they got thirsty and they would put out some food. So that food entices spirits to come to you. It can be in the form of food that they like. It could be a drink that they like. Well, and that's what they were talking about too. It could be sake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But of all the preferred food, blood offerings are the best to entice familiars. Okay, well, that just took it to another level. But <laughs> I'm just dig it to another place. Yeah. yeah, that's where Christianity was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait whoa. up, wait, wait, wait. But then again, Christians drink the blood of Christ. That's exactly what I was gonna say. So some examples of of like modern day versions are communion and mass. Mm-hmm. That's a blood Midnight sacrifice mass <laughs> that we just mass. talked about. <laughs> that was like literal blood sacrifice. Yes. And then there are other religions that have blood sacrifices at, in different holidays or different traditions. And typically people, the humans, alive people, will eat the meat of the animal that's mm-hmm. sacrificed. But the blood is reserved for the spirits or like deities or gods or God. Okay. During the witch trials in Salem in the 17th century, it was believed that familiars sucked on the blood from witches via skin legions or devil's marks or mm-hmm. witches marks and some people actually refer to them as like teats it was through these lesions or devil's marks or teats that the familiars got their blood nourishment that they needed so what does a familiar give you i mean why would you even want a familiar to come into your life why would you need one well i'm gonna tell you jen okay throughout history being able to gain a familiar was thought to give you power so you could get all different kinds of power so it could be knowledge Mm -hmm. it could be shape-shifting it could be super human strength. It could be like foresight, like future sight, prophecy, all of these things, because you're tapping into the spirit world and they are telling you, giving you things that's very Dr. Evil. It's (laughs) a little (laughs) bit. So that is why people were interested in having familiars. Uh, An example of this are the Norse berserkers. You ever heard of them? Yes. They would wear the skin of bears. And it was thought that through the wearing of the skin of the bear, they actually got the spirit and the power, the physical power of the bear to make them better warriors. A lot of indigenous cultures believe familiars bring healing powers. And then, like I was saying, that foresight or power of sight. That's pretty cool. But it does sound very very villainy. Like, I want to have all these powers. I think that for the most part, when we're talking about people who practice things like uh, Wiccan or are, are like modern day witches, the idea of a familiar isn't to necessarily gain power for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, yeah, like healing powers or trying to help people open their minds or whatever. It seems Connect, like very to me, altruistic. It seems like- to me, it seems like they're connecting with nature. Yes, very much And I think much so. of Wiccans or in pagans, it's a very like that connection between human and nature. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all one big thing, which I can get behind because ecology. Exactly. So familiars can help one single person or a whole group. And I really like this example that she gave in the book. She talks about a really famous familiar in the form of Lady Columbia, uh, who's typically depicted with an eagle and she guides a single intellect 
like a group of people. Mm -hmm. And we also know her as the Statue of Liberty. And mm -hmm. that is Lady Columbia in her idol form. Oh, that's cool. So some basic biology for all kinds of familiars. Wow. I know. I was like, I gotta talk about some animals, but not really. Uh, They're not bothered by environmental extremes, so they can live anywhere. It's like, even if it were like, let's say an Arctic fox, Uh it could live on the equator if that's your familiar. I love it. Yeah. So they'll never go extinct. Very versatile. Can we bring back some extinct species as let's, let's this is the this is the point familiars. in the podcast where we talk about let's just bring Lazarus species <laughs> bring all in. familiars from now on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh they don't need to eat, drink, breathe, or sleep, but they might like to. And it's a good idea to feed them, apparently. Blood. All the blood. blood. And they like to take naps. But I, I don't know if that's like a, just like a fun activity. I don't know if they need to, but they but, like to. Yeah. Nap with you. For sure. Torpor Sundays. Yes. Let's do it. They can come in many shapes. So sometimes as an animal, sometimes as something more mystical or a combination of animals or inanimate objects or like not even they're like mythical creatures that don't even exist necessarily in actual nature. Like a jackalope. Like a jackalope. Exactly. Shamanic and indigenous cultures especially believe that there can be a deep soul connection with an animal. The word that's closest to familiar for the Algonquin people People is a word that's similar to totem and it, it actually infers a family relationship or a kinship so that same idea of like an ancestor coming mm-hmm. and helping you the term spirit animal didn't actually appear until the 1980s and it's not an indigenous term at all uh, it came from pop culture and it's now considered to be more of an appropriation of indigenous people's culture and not necessarily something you need to be saying just a fyi i saw that because mm-hmm. people are always like oh this is my my spirit and they make jokes and memes right. and spirit animal then i i read an article that somebody was saying that it references indigenous people yes. in a way that is insensitive an interesting familiar that I, that she talks about in south american cultures is called a nagul and at first i was like a nazgul like from lord of the rings and i was like <laughs> oh that's so crazy <laughs> But it, that's not it. They're called Nagul. And uh, they the Mexican shaman say that they're allies or assistants that can shape shift and they give strength to the bearer or the, the person who's connecting with them. And the Nagul has a sister concept called a tonal. And a tonal is like the soul of the shaman. That's what the Nagul is attracted to is the tonal. And it's how that spirit connects with the world of the living. The Nagul was misinterpreted by European and Christian colonizers as being something like a devil, but really it's more of a spirit that connects with a specific person or shaman. It has a specific relationship with that person, with their tonal. Okay. So I'm going to give you some common, some uncommon, and rare familiars. So common are cat, of course, Dog in the Western world, hare, hawk, mouse, owl, rat, raven, and bullfrog. Those are some common animal familiars. I would not want a bullfrog to be mine. Right? I'm just saying. I feel you. Some uncommon bat, guinea pig, lizards, horny toads, geckos, raccoons, snakes, squirrels, tortoises, and weasels. Raccoons. Those are fine. I know. <laughs> I kind of would want mine to be okay. a raccoon. There was like a description under raccoon that was talking about how raccoons would help the bear like steal shit. Like, <laughs> that was it. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and then some rare animal familiars are bucks or does. So deer, mm-hmm. uh, fox, red or arctic fox, otters, and skunks. And skunks apparently are very rare. Huh. I, I wonder... don't know if that's like because they're they're not like into hanging out with people or what it is. Or no one wants to hang out with them. No one wants to hang out with them. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's time, Jen. You and I both took a test to we see did. what our familiars would be. And I'm going to link that test in the show notes. But see, my familiar isn't on the list. Okay. So let me just back up with, I took it. I took the test. Uh-huh. And my first familiar came up as a goat. Uh-huh. And I was kind of dying. Like, I was like, that's a goat? Like, right. It's so random. And it did. it's not on the list. So I was like, that's crazy. But then I couldn't find, I didn't screenshot it. And because mm-hmm. it, it has a description and I really wanted the description. So I took it again. I used all the same answers and I got a different familiar. What was your different one? A, a raven. I think this test is stupid because those are the two I got and I did the exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> that's so amazing. Yeah. Did you happen to screenshot the goat? I did. Oh, thank God. Okay. So the raven, it says your animal familiar is the raven. Among the most witty and intelligent of creatures, this winged fellow will help your mind reach new heights. Together, you will discover the immense possibilities that exist in nature and the universe. Of course, it needn't be strictly business. The two of you practical jokesters will use your magic to play plenty of tricks too. I love that you got both of the same I things feel that like I got. Maybe, I hope the test isn't just it's those, just like, only those like two. One day it's the goat, one day it's the raven. Yeah, so the goat says, your animal familiar is a goat, like the half-human, half-goat, Greek god Pan. You are an immensely creative individual who possesses the power to inspire the world with your art and poetry. I'm like, no, that's not me. <laughs> when you connect with your familiar, you can reach full potential of your artistic capacity, one that reaches nearly otherworldly results. Jen, you just need to connect with your goat familiar and then you'll be an artist. Was this the only test for the familiar? It was the one that seemed like the most thorough with all the questions. I was like, oh, it must be like really good because it's like all this. There was like a Teen Vogue one. Maybe we should do that one. (laughs) Everyone listening right now, go to that link, go take that test and tell us what were you. And if everyone's like goat or raven, then we'll know that that test is like bullshit. What's your magical creature familiar quiz? I've taken that one. Well, because I joined the Harry Potter. There's like a there's like an app and this thing that you can join, which I'm in Slytherin. FYI. Are you really? Yep. I thought I would be a Hufflepuff for sure. No, I would call you Hufflepuff. Thank you. And you have red hair. Well, I, actually, you should be, then if you're redheaded, you should be a in Gryffindor. Gryffindor. But yeah. Gryffindors are too, like, you know. Heroic. Yeah. I definitely feel more Hufflepuffy than anything else. I was really surprised that I was in Slytherin. I don't agree with that. I want to take that test. I'm a closet Slytherin. Now comes the time in today's episode where we talk about black cats. Yay. Yay. Love black cats. Yes. They are the most famous animal imagine in modern times. Like a familiar. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm like giving her a blank stare. I'm like imagine That's what she said in the book. Oh. Maybe she said just imagine. I don't know. I wrote it weird in here. So in American pop culture, we see them in Halloween stuff as black cats for witches, right? Female witches often lack sexual partners. And so in their place... They have a companion black cat. I just want to talk about that. This is the point in the book where I was like, you put the book down and then you like did some self reflection (laughs) where I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Am I somehow have I subconsciously become a witch without knowing it? (laughs) Because she talks about wait a second. Let's just let's just throw this out there. Okay, can we do a poll? How many women out there have not been sexually active in a while? Yeah. And have a black cat and all of a sudden you're like, shit. Am I a witch? Am I? Did what this the happen? hell? 
when did I get recruited? How did this happen? I don't understand. I mean, I'm okay with it, but... I'm, I'm cool. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, she talks... This is the part, part in the book where she talks about lonely cat women. And... <laughs> oh, my God. I took a drink of my drink and I almost spit it all over the microphone. <laughs> and Here we go, everybody. <laughs> Here it is. She talks a lot about the relationship between cats and women uh-huh. and that familiars as cats for witches, for female witches, back in the day when they would be labeled heretics, uh, a lot of times the woman and the cat would be killed together. Uh, sometimes people would consider the black cat to either be the witch herself or just the familiar to the witch. So that's why they would burn them all. That's so sad. Yeah, it's horrible. But black cats used to be really good luck, especially in Egypt. They were kept in the home in worship to the goddess Bast or mm-hmm. Bastet. And that's the goddess of protection, cats, perfume, ointments, fertility, pregnancy, children, music, the arts, and warfare. So like just covering all the things. It's everything. Yeah. Every household had a black cat. They were considered the luckiest. And then Christianity came along. The Roman emperor Theodosius made pagan religions illegal. And since most homes had a black cat, that was the way they identified pagans. They would go to the house. If you had a black cat, you were pagan. They killed you and your cat. Oh, my God. Yep. I never knew that. Anyone caught with a black cat was labeled a heretic. In 1233, it happened again. Pope Gregory IX issued a rule saying black cats were demonic and carried evil forces. And that's when black cats across Europe were like killed, just murdered. Oh. I know. And they're just kitty cats. They're just kitty cats. And that's when they started to become considered unlucky. Oh my gosh. Yep. And that's where everybody we are today. who has a black cat, just give them a little squeeze right now. A little, little hug. I was like, Nacho, you're not unlucky. You're so beautiful. But let's talk about sexuality and the familiar. Well, I thought we were going to talk more about like lonely cat women. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let me just say that this chapter that she talks about black cats, it's like she talks about the Nagul, black cats, fetch, libido, sexuality. Is this what you were listening to in the book? Yes. Okay. And I'm like, this is the point where I was like, this is a therapy session for me. (laughs) That's what's happening right now. (laughs) There's this thing called fetch. And Mm -hmm. in biology, fetch is just the wind that moves the top of water. Oh. You know, it makes those little tiny ripples. Yeah. That's called fetch. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But in the occult and in witchcraft and all of this, fetch is actually the animal sexual nature of a witch. Animal sexual nature. It's where we get the word fetching. Like, oh, oh like, she's so fetching. You look quite fetching this evening. Yeah, it's more about the image of the person, not actually, it might not even be their physical reality. You know, when we talk about like witches that have some kind of like a facade that makes them look very beautiful and tempting, like a temptress or mm-hmm. a beautiful woman or whatever, and they're very sexual, like that is the fetch. That's okay. enticing people to them. Uh-huh. So it is the concentration of desire or a powerful magnetic force and a mechanism through which the witch accomplishes a spell. So it's kind of like it's this thing that pulls other people to them and familiars included in that, right? Spiritual things like that, that magnetic force that pulls those things to them, that gives them the power to then do whatever spell it is that they want to do. Is this something that she's saying is like a real thing or is she saying that this is something from the history? Because let me just say that I feel like this sounds like something men made up a long time ago because Mm -hmm. they couldn't control themselves around women and they would blame the woman for being too. I had that same feeling. And women are like, we're just, you know. We're just being ladies. 
I'm, we're just over I here with our cats. Yeah. yeah. Just hanging out. <laughs> and men, because they're just can't help Especially themselves. in history. Especially, Especially history. going yes. back. Yeah. They would blame women for... It's just like today, Being if a way. woman is sexually assaulted or raped, mm-hmm. they'll be like, well, what was she wearing? Or, you know, they try to victim blame. Right. It kind of... It's fe- making me get that feeling. A little bit. But I think the way that she's talking about it is that this is an intentional nature in the witch. Like, it's an intentional magnetism that the witch is developing or the practitioner is developing in order to bring power or, like, the ability to do whatever kind of spell that they want to do. Okay. I think it's, like, more on the empowerment side and less about just the image of that person. Like, the practitioner creates this image so they want to so make it's purposeful that image. I think on it's the purposeful. witches or the woman's side yeah okay i think that's what she's saying okay that's my interpretation of like it. a positive sexuality right. type versus being like a victim of or, or like or like the subject of uh the male gaze yeah i okay. don't think it's like that okay yeah she talks a little bit about how it can be done just through your imagination and i'm definitely if you are into this and you're like this is very interesting to me i would suggest listening or reading this book i mean she goes into a lot of detail i'm probably saying a lot of it like not as well as she like explained it uh this is also something that you can think of this fetch if you will or the magnetism you can think of it as like bewitching that's another term that they would use okay it's like an activity that the practitioner is doing they're bewitching a person all right but yeah hopefully i'm standing understanding it correctly this is the part that i i'm like not 100 percent sure i'm getting but she was saying something about how the power that a practitioner would receive could come from sex sex magic between the practitioner and their familiar so like spirit sex and they're getting power from that yeah Okay. And there's an example that she talks about called the witch's Sabbath. And this is where witches commune with the devil or they have like relations with the devil. Mm -hmm. And she does point out and I was like, I immediately thought of like Mary, the Virgin Mary. Right. But she does point out that in most religions, there is some kind of human spirit sexual relationship. And it might not be like the physical act of sex. But we're talking about an intimate relationship that maybe does involve the act of sex, but it's like with a spirit. So I don't know how that works exactly. Okay. So is it with a spirit or with your familiar? With your familiar? Yeah. I I don't think bestiality is the thing that she's talking about. I think it's just like some kind of communion between like a spirit in the spirit world and like a human practitioner. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I don't think it's like non-consensual. It seems that this is like that, you know, you would ask for it. Right. Essentially. It's just an intimate connection. Connection, I guess. I I mean, I guess I should listen to it. She talks about sex magic. And I don't know if that means actual (laughs) sex happens or it doesn't. She doesn't explicitly say. It's like, I think you have, I think that there are other books I need to read before also, before I get into this. Well, and you just, you just dove right in. I just dove right in, man. I was just looking for information on familiars. That's it. That's all I was, I was like, what is this? And then all of a sudden you're, you're like, what is sex magic? What's going on here? I did understand this next part, which is that You can use sexual energy to attract a familiar. There's like the communion with a familiar that gets you some kind of power. But if you are looking to attract a familiar, there's all different ways to do it, right? I was talking about fasting or or like putting out food or Mm -hmm. whatever, like those Mm -hmm. ways. But there's you can also stop 
having sex or trying to procreate, by being celibate, you create energy in yourself that actually attracts a spirit because there's like extra energy in you that you're not expending anywhere else. And that's how you can attract a familiar to you. Or a lot of cats. A lot of cats. Yeah. And actually, (laughs) that's a little bit how she talks about like a spinster who owns a lot of cats. (laughs) (laughs) And that they're using celibacy to achieve spiritual powers. So there's other ways that that can happen, right? Like religions do that. Monks, priests. Yes. Lots of religions. So you can get closer to God or whatever. Yes. Or a lot of cats. You are not a spinster. Thank you. By the way. I appreciate that. And I feel like that sounds like it would need to be a choice because Mm -hmm. for that purpose. Like you would make a conscious choice. Like I'm going to do this in order to gain something. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not like I just haven't met anybody that I like in a long, 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 long time. (laughs) How many longs was that? And then I have some cats. Yeah. So I just happen to have some cats. But just for our, our listeners, I did ban... Megan from getting any more cats until she got a boyfriend. But then this cat in my neighborhood had two kittens. And Look, now I'm taking that's care temporary. Of them. All right. So some religions, I know in Catholicism, it's like attracting the Holy Spirit. You know, that's why priests are celibate. It's to get, yeah, a closer relationship with God, have that straight communication through the Holy Spirit, yeah. which is considered part of God. Some religions have the opposite. They're like, you should not be celibate. Mm-hmm. because that's not good. Yep. There's also this idea of fetishes. When we're talking about celibacy or not being celibate or sex magic or whatever, mostly she's talking about how the libido is connected to the rest of the spirit world. Like you can use your libido in different ways to get different powers or attract familiars or do whatever it is that you're wanting to do in connection with the spirit world. Another way other than celibacy or sex magic is to have a fetish. So like that's when you would have your libido, your feelings, your sexual feelings thrown onto something other than a human or a spirit. And that's when we talk about things like idols or idol worship or idolatry. Or fetishes. Those are fetishes. Those are fetishes. Yeah. When Mm -hmm. you put, yeah. Okay. It's like, let's say you're really into feet. Yeah. That's kind of like an idol worship. Right. Is what she's comparing it to. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had no idea we were going to go down this road. Neither did I. Another example of how you could attract a familiar, I think without really like purposefully doing it, Mm -hmm. is like a widow who's grieving the loss of their partner. She talks about how the probability of a widow attracting a familiar is much higher, partly because maybe they're spending more time in an area where there are more spirits available to them like yeah a graveyard yes or thinking about those things a lot so the the idea i i don't know if there's like some kind of study out there in wiccan where they're like okay we have a control group of these widows and we have a control (laughs) group of these widows and you know we see how many of them gain familiars i mean i don't know if that's a thing but very yeah she did mention that i mean when you're grieving the loss of a loved one whether it's Mm -hmm. a widow or in any situation where it's a close person to you yeah I imagine you're thinking about the afterlife a lot. You're thinking about that person a lot, wishing Mm -hmm. you could see them, trying to speak to them in a way that is taking you kind of to the other side of... Sure. Uh, Looking through that thin veil Uh, that you talked about last week. Right. Another way that this was practiced, the like isolation, is through Christian castration. So there was this one particular... I think he was a monk because this is back in the day when they were working on the Bible. And his name is Origen. And he he was castrated... um, And he used celibacy in order 
order to channel a muse. And he actually worked on a lot of the Bible. And there's this kind of controversy about him because he was from Egypt. Uh huh. I think his name actually means born from Horus, which is a, an Egyptian god. He was looking for a muse through celibacy. He was using that power to try to connect to the spirit world, which in Christianity is kind of a no-no. If you're not talking about just God oh. or just the Holy yeah, Spirit or sure. just Jesus. So yeah. he was a eunuch. He was a eunuch. Yeah. I don't really know the history of eunuchs. I don't either. I know that I read some story about like the last eunuch. And I think it was in relation to this Korean emperor mm-hmm. and a story. I was listening to it on Antique Tea. But anyway, it was like that was something if certain people and it, it was like a privilege to go be a servant to the emperor. Right. But you they turned you into a eunuch and he was talking about how horrific it was and that mm-hmm. usually they would keep their man parts that were removed in like their gonads. They would save them for them so they could be buried with them later. And in the process of like some war or something that happened with this emperor, like they lost his testicles somewhere and he was really upset about it. Well, yeah. That's a little side story for you. That's awful. I know. They would do this whole thing, which was really horrific for a young boy and then Mm -hmm. very painful. And a lot of kids would die from it because of infection or whatever. Yeah. But it was really important to like talk about the family jewels. Oh, yeah. To keep it. So they would have them their whole life because it's still part of them. Right. I do. I did see something I was going to post. It, it was like a meme about parents who keep their kids' teeth and hair are not too far removed from witches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which I do have. All of my son's lost teeth are in a David Bowie canister. Which, yeah, I have hair and teeth. And uh, I have the first hair from this hair. Yeah, it's yeah, the first haircut. The first haircut. So, yeah, there we go. Well, I think it's official. It's official. <laughs> All this time. You're a witch. Never even knew. <laughs> You're a <laughs> not wizard, to offend, Harry. Not to, <laughs> not to offend any actual practicing witches, Wiccan, people who are into the no, occult. Like, not at all. Like, you, you we know? We have all the respect. All the respect. Well, and I also think that there's a lot that people don't know about Wiccans. Well, the connotation is that they're the evil devil worshippers. Yeah, and that is, is absolutely not the truth. Yes. Yeah. Not at all. I think yeah. that's what we're here to do today is dispel all of these notions. Yeah. About black cats and witches in the occult and just it's really about getting back to nature it is another very notable celibate group of folks are the vestal virgins of rome i am sure you have heard of them no no Really? No, no. That's so I, crazy. Just, I don't know. I mean, that's... I feel like they're like a thing that everyone knows about. Already. I probably like... I have like short term memory. <laughs> I probably heard about it at some point. So the Vestal Virgins of Rome would reserve their self for the god spirits. So they would form relationships with familiars so that they could get prophecies through doing divination. Okay. So basically they're fortune tellers and people would come and see them at these like temples. The idea was that they had this excess energy because mm-hmm. they didn't have sex. They weren't mothers. They didn't give birth, any of that. And that gave them this extra ability to divine the future for people. So people will come and say like, hey, what are my grains going to be doing next year? And they'd be like, they're going to be horrible. Like the gods told me. <laughs> and it was good to go. They were good to go. I would love to be that. Just hang out with your friends mm-hmm. and be like, listen to what I told uh, <laughs> told old man Bart over there yesterday. He came and asked me if his wife was going to leave him. And I was like, hells yeah. And they're all like, 
<laughs> these women were like revered. All the depictions I've ever seen of them is that they're like these kind of, what's the word that people use that kind of makes my skin crawl nubile? That's a word, right? <laughs> You're <laughs> looking at me over your glasses and I'm all like, oh no. Usually depicted as like kind of beautiful flowing dresses with the hair and they're very pure. Yeah. And innocent and beautiful. Yeah. So I don't know. They probably do get old. I don't know if they just like chuck them off the side of the (laughs) temple cliff or what happens to them. But they just move to the back of the temple and start a podcast. (laughs) Basically. With a bunch of cats. cats. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, All right. Good time. (laughs) Um, But it is believed, though, that these Vestal Virgins of Rome were actually the idea. I don't know if they themselves or if it was the idea were stolen from Greece and Turkey. So Turkey, actually, there's a lot of stuff about like Constantinople, Istanbul. Yeah. Yeah. Constantinople. Istanbul. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, That that's kind of like this, this origin location Mm -hmm. for a lot of these beliefs. I didn't really go into it, but she talks a lot about this goddess, uh, Cybele. There's this story that she tells in the book that's kind of interesting. There's a meteorite that comes down from the heavens, crashes, and and it's actually like this black rock. Or from space. Or from space. There's a bunch of different words like Kybel. It's very similar to the word Cybele, which ends up being this goddess that is able to divine things from the earth from like the spirit world and from the earth itself Mm -hmm. she even ties it into islam and that there's i forget exactly how she says it but there's like this kind of like black box it's like a stone they're worshiping allah but there is this stone that's involved in like ceremonies or, or something i can't exactly remember and even the word for that stone is very similar to sibel or kybel and it's all like this like long story and it and it came from a meteorite from space i don't know wow those kind of things like blow my mind i mean just the etymology of all of this stuff like all the words that are very similar and how even though there are all these pagans that were doing these rituals but christians also kind of do the same rituals they just call it something different right that idea i love that there's something about that that's it's like of course these people are <laughs> these people over here are in denial about their actual where they're getting their shit where from. they came from yeah, yeah. Exactly. and there's something about it that i really like mm-hmm. okay so the the christian church saw these vestal virgins and fortune telling as a pagan ritual and of course got rid of them like oh, yeah killed them and then they handed the divination kind of divination adjacent tasks off to male priests. So if you think about it, like the irony of all of this is that, yeah, there are these familiar spirits and divination and astrology and all of this stuff is considered taboo. But then there's the Holy Spirit. Well, it's also went from a very female driven. Yes. Female oriented, not religion, spirituality. spirituality, Yeah. Yes. To to male Mm -hmm. rules. Catholic altars have what are called relics in them. They're actually ashes of like saints. Uh ordained saints um and that's i I mean that's very similar to the idea of being able to commune with our ancestors having them there in this in this kind of spiritual way in the temple with you if you will there's different kinds of relics they're considered to have some kind of power to them like it's not just about history i mean but people make pilgrim Pilgrimages to see them, yes, and touch them. Uh-huh. There's something about those things that connect them to, if you will, the spirit of God, uh-huh. which could be any kind of spirit. I mean, I'm not saying like whatever. No offense whatever you to anybody play. at no all. Offense. We're just also let me just say that I am absolutely zero percent an expert in any of this. I am pulling 
all the information that I'm talking about today from the beginning of this book that totally made me feel like I might be a witch. So <laughs> take <laughs> yeah. that, take all of this information with a grain of salt. It's just really interesting to me. It's all really interesting. Everybody has different beliefs. Yeah. We're cool with all of it. It's, it's all as very long as you're not hurting anybody. Exactly. Just do whatever makes you feel good and connected to whatever spirit you want to yeah. be connected to. I think that's the part that kind of angered me thinking about all of this is that a lot of the Christian religion was based on the persecution of other people who didn't practice the same thing. And that makes me very sad and well, angry because no one needed to go into Egypt and kill all those black cats. What would Jesus do? Because that wasn't the whole point. Yeah. He was like, let's just like his, friends. the people he was closest to were the people who needed the most help. So the whole point of when you look at Christianity and it's based on the acts of Jesus. Right. It doesn't quite mesh up. No, that's when they got all political and weird. Some I, dudes I, decided I, they just wanted to kill a bunch of people. I mean, if you relate it back to this idea of familiars, mm -hmm. then you could say that maybe those people don't have the kind of self-control it takes to connect fully or properly with the spirit world and they kind of screw it up yeah. and then it goes all to hell. I'm just saying. Well, that is what I have learned from this book. <laughs> you are so enlightened now. Basically. As a witch. As Thank a newly you. found witch. Thank you very much. I need to grow my hair out longer. <laughs> so, so this is something that I thought was interesting. There were these people in Rome, they were diviners in Rome that were called augurs and they would interpret signs to see if gods approved of an action. So like let's say that the emperor of Rome was like, okay, I'm going to go over here and do this thing. And then they did it. And the augurs would be like, uh, the gods are not cool with that. We saw a bunch of birds fly around in a bunch of circles today. <laughs> right. And the gods are like pissed. You need to stop doing what you're doing. And, uh -huh. you know, then they would stop and everything was cool. The birds were flying normal again. But they were called augurs. And, and birds were like a big part of that. Okay. Of like watching birds or, or other animals, but in other signs, but birds were a big part. So augury is actually the base for the word inaugurate to induct. And a more modern version of this is when the Catholic Church releases doves when a new pope is inducted or inaugurated, which is said to be symbolic today, but its roots are in these diviners uh -huh. who interpreted what the gods were happy with or wanted by watching things like doves. And I was like, that's very interesting. <laughs> that is very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, all of this divination, familiars, all of this stuff that we're talking about today, it's not something that practitioners are supposed to blindly follow. So that's like something that she really talks about. It's meant as a way to discover what you might already know or a way to look back into yourself. So having a familiar isn't like a codependent relationship. You're supposed to coexist together. So you're not supposed to have this familiar that tells you everything that you do and you just blindly do it. Mm -hmm. You are supposed to interpret the things that they tell you or point you towards and, and then apply it to what's going on in your own life. Codependent no more. 100%. All right. So there is a, there's a couple more stories that I'm going to throw in here. Uh, one is about the Bible story of Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, and when he met the witch of Endor. Have you ever heard about this? Uh, maybe. Saul was going into battle with the Philistines. He had been praying to God to get answers, but he felt like God wasn't responding to him. And so it, he was like, God's turned his back on me. And actually, Saul had outlawed witchcraft. And anyone who was caught doing witchcraft would be stoned to death. But he was like, well, God's not there for me. So I'm going to go check out this witch of Endor. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
Yeah, and he goes to see her. He actually like, dresses in a different robe because he's like the king. So he, like he he he's got to be like incognito. Is this Old Testament? Is it? I think that's Old Testament. Old Testament yeah. is wild. Yeah. It's anyway, wild. go ahead. So he goes into this cave, which a lot of witches lived in caves. And there there's some other stuff she talks about. How, I don't think that's true. Well, she talks about how like caves might have been a closer connection to the earth, like the core of the earth. Okay. And that was like a way for them to be more grounded and like spiritually open to things. So there's, I, I think that caves, like damp, dark caves and like creepy shit like, like that. I'm thinking like Clash of the Titans when they right? went to those three witches in the cave. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's just like a weird villain, villainization yeah. of what might have been more of just a connection to the earth. Or people, yeah, or just them like trying to get, live away from people because they're being persecuted. Right. Or they're trying to be celibate so they can have more energy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that, that too. <laughs> So he goes to the Witch of Endor, he's dressed up in some other robe, and he's like, hey, listen, I need you to resurrect the spirit of the prophet Samuel because God isn't telling me shit. I need to know what's going on. Like, how am I going to get through this war? Are we going to live? Even though at the time they were completely outnumbered, they're getting like killed on the battlefield. Right. If you were just logical about it, you'd be like, oh, we're losing. I'm not going to be king anymore. And she's like, hold up. I need to go clean my litter box. Because I have a lot of cats. I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know if you can see them in this damp, dark cave, but they're here. They're just black. Okay. So <laughs> oh, hold up. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> I was in the middle of that. Let me go. Let me go spritz some air freshener. I'll be right back. <laughs> She's like, listen, dude, I know who you are. The robe didn't conceal your identity. <laughs> Number one, I'm the witch of Endor. I know shit. So like, <laughs> I... I'm you, sir, <laughs> have like told everybody to stone me or anyone like me. I don't really like you. I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna do this because that's gonna get me in trouble. And he's like, listen, don't even worry about it. I'm the king. I got you, boo. Like, <laughs> I promise. I promise. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna get stoned. I just really need you to resurrect Samuel and tell me what's <laughs> going on. Can you please? I mean, it's a small favor. This witch of Endor, and it says with the help of a familiar, it doesn't say in what form the familiar is, but she apparently uses the familiar to tell Saul. Uh, she says that she's Samuel, that she's resurrected Samuel through her. Okay, this is like a seance. Like a seance, yeah. Okay. But she ends up telling Saul what he already knows in his heart, based on the logic of what's happening, that he's going to fail and he and his sons will all die in battle, which is bummer. how it came out. Yeah, bummer. Yeah. And he kind of like loses, loses it. He's just like despondent. I, I think in like one of those, in one part of the story, he just like falls to the ground. And mm-hmm. Even though he's kind of been a dick to people who do magic and witchcraft, like stoning them to death. Right. Um, she actually comforts him, tells him, you know, like, it's going to be okay, like, takes care of him. There, there. Hold a cat. <laughs> It'll make you feel better. This story kind of makes me think about how villainized witchcraft is, the idea of witchcraft mm-hmm. and magic, and how villainized they've been over history, and just how hypocritical leaders can be in the face of lacking answers. Mm-hmm. And his god, his spirit, isn't telling him what to do, and so he's got to go and ask this other, you know, person so obviously who he's he still believes. Obviously he still believes. Like, yes. come on, man. I have a modern day version of this. Oh. Do you know? What? There's a lady, Joan Cecil Quigley, 
She's from San Francisco, California. She's already passed away. She gave astrological advice to the Reagan White House in the 1980s. Yes, I know because Nancy Reagan was super into astrology. Yes. Yes. Which I find kind of mind-blowing. Well, I mean, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Right. I mean, so it's not like... But... He's conservative. Yes. When I think about people who sometimes will look at Ronald Reagan and be like, he's this, the epitome of, you know... A Republican. Yeah. Conservative. Family values, blah, 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 blah. And then they had an astrologer in the White House. I Because Nancy wanted it, damn it. Yeah. But she was also like, come tell me astrology, but no drugs. Right. Yeah, she was very (laughs) (laughs) anti-drug. Dare to keep children off. I don't think she was Dare, though, right? Dare was later, wasn't it? No, I think that that might have started then. I don't know. I was was like a little But yeah, I I guess it happened after John Hinckley attempted assassination, the attempted assassination Mm -hmm. of Reagan. And she was like, we need someone here to freaking divine stuff for us. So this woman was in the White House until 1988 when she was, I quote unquote, outed. By, I forget who it was, someone in in their like former cabinet was like, there's an astrologer in the White House. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, which? And they all came with like pitchforks and and, like torches. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kind of the irony of history just again. Yeah, it just repeats itself. (sighs) All the time. Um, So I'm going to leave you with another quote from that Vice article. Uh, Maja says, the witch thing that need to know is fueled by a sense of wonder, she says. Many Mm -hmm. people aren't that wonderful. They don't wonder about what people are or what the universe is. So if I can get people to consider even for a second what they'd want to know if they could have any information they wanted, that's a victory. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like she had a little bit of a victory with me in this book because I, you know, I I think about things for sure. But Coming to terms. (laughs) (laughs) I love reading my horoscope. I love figuring out if I could have a familiar, what kind of familiar and why does that mean about me and what does that mean about the universe and all this stuff. I love that kind of stuff. I have a hard time sometimes taking it seriously. But well, when I read the the Pullman series, Mm -hmm. those books, it really made me think about what mine would be. Right. And I couldn't quite figure it out. What if your familiar ended up being a male moose that you wouldn't think would be aggressive but yeah, is aggressive yeah, yeah yeah i don't think i would be that because i'm just not really right aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah i know you makes you think about it though i'd want something that was small enough to to like kind of take with me so it wouldn't get hurt i think i would be worried all the time like a ferret like a little ferret but ferrets are stinky so i don't know they're not always stinky. So I really loved ferrets because what was that one movie where the guy had the two ferrets in his little bag? It was like a Merlin-y kind of movie. The Beastmaster. Oh my God. Did you ever see The Beastmaster? Yes. That movie was amazing. Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger? Am I remembering that No, correctly? no, it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hold on. Let me, let me. Oh my God. Okay, hold on. I think I watched it on HBO a lot. Oh yeah. Jen showing me the picture. I 100% remember this. 1982. Just thighs. So much thigh. A lot of... So many abs. A lot. A sword and sorcery film. It was based on the 1959 novel the Beastmaster. it's about a man who can communicate with animals and fights an evil wizard and his army he's channeling familiars to give him strength but i and fight an army i'm pretty sure i remember from that movie because i watched it a, there were fair yeah a lot they had like these ferrets in his pouch right that lived in there and they would run out and like steal keys and help them escape from things right right, right. and i was like that's awesome i feel like a ferret would be a nice one i'm, I'm already thinking about my emergency preparedness kit oh okay good good, good. and i'm pretty sure i'm saying a I'm- pouch full of ferrets <laughs> <laughs> so i'm already there 
So oh God, I'm just going to put it right there. I know you haven't, we haven't finished. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Maja did start a nonprofit called the Well Wishers. And the link to this nonprofit is God is my boyfriend, all one word dot com. I have no words right now. <laughs> I don't even. So originally I was like, oh, maybe I could put her as an organization to support. But, you know, I do, I do like a little bit of research before we try and support an organization. They do file with the IRS. Uh, they make less than $50,000 a year. Uh, the Well-Wishers provides programming in the following areas, martial arts, also specialty martial arts classes for children and seniors, mental disciplines such as various meditation techniques, concentration and awareness practices, art, dance, and music, as well as philosophy, literature, and science, esoteric and alchemy disciplines, and yoga. So um, I'm not necessarily saying this is the organization to support because maybe you're not into that. But if you're into that, it's seems like they do some cool stuff for the community. My actual organizations to support mm-hmm. uh, kind of tie into, did you know, Jen, that October is Black Cat Awareness Month? Oh, but it makes sense. Yes. Facts about black cats. Black cats are half as likely as other cats to be adopted from shelters. They are considered bad luck because of ignorance and superstition. We talked about that Mm -hmm. today. Uh, They're often passed over because they don't photograph well, but they are beautiful in person. That is the truth. Um, Having black fur is a death sentence for most black cats. And black cats are just as lovable and deserving of homes and families as other cats. So I chose two organizations to support today. The first one is www.blackcats.com catholisticrescue.org they are saving black cats and kittens from high kill shelters and the streets of Los Angeles and surrounding areas. I mean, this might be a Los Angeles based episode today uh, since we talked about the White Witch of Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. uh, the other one that I thought was important is blackcatrescue.com. It is a no kill cat rescue organization in Boston, Massachusetts. Salem was like the thing that popped up in my brain. So I was like, Massachusetts, we got to support the black cats in Massachusetts. We do. Yeah. And everyone. Um, They are listed on the Amazon Smile on Amazon Smile as an organization. So if you make purchases on Amazon, you can list them as your organization to support through Smile. And then every purchase you make, they get like cents on the dollar. Oh, nice. Which is great. It's like a great way to support an organization without like actively donating, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And FYI, Jen, surprise for you. I bought us two shirts. (gasps) From the Black Cat Rescue, they are, of course, baseball sleeve shirts, softball sleeve shirts. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Thank and you. I made a $20 donation to them as well. That is our, so cool. Name, so Aww. I really like their uh, logo and stuff. It's super cute. That but. is amazing. So that is my kind of convoluted story today. Just a lot of information. Well, I mean, we covered a lot of topics today. I feel like we covered familiars. We covered sex magic. We talked right. about libido and celibacy and some random right, right, right. ironies of the Catholic Church. <laughs> well, and and just to once again say it, w- yeah. there no offense to anybody. We Absolutely. give 100% yeah. respect to anybody who, for any religion, definitely we respect every religion and whatever mm-hmm. anybody feels is best for them in their spirit spiritual uh self yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely so yeah here we are jen well i just <laughs> the best part of the episode i'm gonna stick with that kind of goes back to the episode we did on animals in movies oh yeah and tv so i hope these ferrets were treated well i me too um and you know they were quite beloved in the movie i can't remember if they got killed i don't think they did i think they almost did by the evil guy in the end right because as a child i was like no 
but I think they were okay. But because they um, were so important to me as a child, yeah, I'm going with a pouch full of ferret. Pouch full of ferrets. Where was that pouch located? Was it like a crotch pouch? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. Here, let me see. <laughs> Let's see if I can find a full body shot of the Beastmaster. And that's totally not even my type. You just have to appreciate the size of that guy's thighs. Well, yeah. He's crushing watermelons with those. (laughs) Absolutely. He's crushing some watermelons. What is he even wearing? He's just wearing fringe. Look. This was 1982, and the, also the lady was very scantily clad. We should ask that aged well if they will watch Beastmaster. What is going on? She's fully not wearing pants. I don't know what's happening, Megan. I'm really upset by this movie that I watched as a child. <laughs> that aged well, I'm speaking to you directly. Please watch the Beastmaster. Oh my god. It didn't age well. That's just I'm already I'm already saying it, it didn't age well. There's a lot of pubic bone. There's a lot of there's a lot of nudity and there's some ferrets. (laughs) But all I remember as a child are the ferrets and nothing else. Well thank God. I'm still sticking with it. I like it. Uh, a bag full of ferrets a la pouch. A a pouch full of ferrets a la Beastmaster. Or just a pouch full of ferrets. And maybe some pants. Excuse me. I can see your pubis. The wind doth blown your skirt or (laughs) the rags you're wearing. I think she's wearing actual underwear, but it's the same color as her skin. It looks like pantyhose. Legs that came in the little egg. nightmare thank god people don't have to wear pantyhose anymore and just think about it like kids now you know how they say history like fashion keeps repeating itself right i'm telling you guys that won't repeat because you guys don't want it no one wants wants that that. nobody never anyway this has been a fun episode thanks megan yeah we love spooky time (laughs) october i can't wait for next year october is such a weird month i just want to say that it has been really strange doing these episodes because i don't know where to go with it yeah it is weird our brains don't work like this how about we call we shout out our patron i'm sure our patrons just like oh geez, my why God. am i in this episode <laughs> can i say it yeah just because i feel like a spiritual connection to our i know exactly what you're talking about that's amazing mm-hmm. i want to give a big a shout out and a thank you to our new patron a jennifer thank you so much jennifer <laughs> <laughs> yes we appreciate you we appreciate you becoming a patron and we hope that you are enjoying some uh, bonus content and if you would like to become a patron, check out our website, click on our Patreon link, or you can go to our link tree on Instagram and check out our Patreon that way. Other ways you can support, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a sticker, possibly two if you send us pictures of your pets. Fill out the contact form on our website, or you can just email us at you're gonna die out there at gmail.com and send me your mailing address. It's that easy. You can also support us by checking out our sponsor links on our website sponsor page. All of our sponsors are eco-friendly, zero waste. You will get discounts using our discount codes and the links that we provide. And you can also support us by following us on Instagram or Twitter and listening on any platform like Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh, and if you have ideas for stories or you saw some interesting news or some science news, feel free to send us an email or send us a DM on Instagram. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.
but the druids. The dru- no one knew who they were or what they were doing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's just I can't. Yeah, I know. Oh, like the music is in my head cry. already. <laughs> oh, Spinal Tap. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like, the, like one episode where I don't cry. It's <laughs> never gonna happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, either out of fear or just pure laughter. I just now I'm just hearing the flute. Yeah, and the guy like because they had the tiny little Stonehenge, and the guy's like dancing around it. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Colder titties. than a witch's titties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I say witch's titties? You did. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> Which is, what's that what they say? I don't know. I always get like, really? When people say stuff like that, I'm like, can right. you just not? It's like, it's like that whole thing I hate when people say that jargon at work, like, let's not get into the, the sausage making. <laughs> We the, making of the, the making of the sausage. sausage. I'm like, can we not use that jargon? Um, can you not? Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs>